Matthew 19, verses 13 to 30. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? he inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honour your father and mother and love your neighbour as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, He went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, You who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses and brothers or sisters, or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. Well, tonight I want to share with you the story of Navid. Uh, He's from Iran and he came to Australia uh, for work and ended up living across the road from our old church, St Albans, in Highgate. Anyway, uh, one day uh, he walked across the road, uh, went over to church, uh, knocked on the door and there was no one there. So... He walked out to the road and looked up at the sign and there was a phone number there, so he called the phone number, it kind of got redirected to a mobile and uh, he spoke to our uh, minister there and said, "Um, I'm Navid, I'm from Iran, I'd like to know about Jesus, what can you tell me? And our uh, minister was like, sure, okay, and come on in, Uh, got in touch with him started doing Christianity Explored. Uh, So 
he started coming along to church. Uh, I got to know him a little bit. And uh, one day, after a little while, I asked him how the Christian Explored course was going. And he said this, uh, I want to become a Christian, but if I do, if I go back to Iran, I'll be killed. So I'm not sure yet. He was a guy actually weighing up whether following Jesus was worth his life, whether he would give his life. And in uh, this passage that we just had read, uh, we see another man uh, wondering, uh, weighing up whether to follow Jesus and and what it will cost him. And as we listen to this story, uh, it'll help us to work out uh, for ourselves what's it worth to follow Jesus. Uh, So tonight we're going to look at this uh, incredible uh, interaction between Jesus and this man and we're going to work out... uh, what it means for us. We're going to work out two things, two things that it does mean and two things that it doesn't mean. Two things it does mean, two things it doesn't mean. Uh, But to start us off, Matthew kind of sets it up for us with this uh, simple story about children being brought to Jesus there in verse 13. Uh, It stands out because of the way the disciples make a fuss about it. They, They shoo these kids and their parents away. And, I, you know, I'm sympathetic, I get it. Uh, last week, I brought my kids uh, along here to, uh, to UWA just to show them around uh, where UniChurch is. Uh, we didn't have UniChurch last, night, last week because of St. Matt's Together. Uh, so I brought them along. But if I took them up to the Vice-Chancellor's office, I don't think that she would be happy to see them. Uh, they're relatively boisterous kids. Uh, she wouldn't want them interrupting whatever she was doing. Probably her assistant would cut in and and get us out of the way before we even got through the door. And that's kind of what's happening here. Jesus is important. This is God's king. He's come to establish God's rule. And he doesn't want to be entertaining kids. He doesn't want them coming up telling him about some beetle they found. So the disciples just step in and say, out of the way, clear off. But they don't understand the nature of the kingdom. Verse 14, Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. See, that little children aren't a nuisance. They are the perfect illustration of who the kingdom belongs to. The perfect picture. More about that later on. So Matthew sets us up with these little children and then we meet a man. Uh, before the, uh, the disciples are like uh, nightclub bouncers, just kind of like barring entry, and now they're, they're just like they unclip the velvet rope and like, through you go, sir. Uh, he comes straight up to Jesus, uh, this man, and he, he seems like he ticks all the boxes. From verse 20, we know that he's a good man, he's kept the commandments, and he genuinely wants uh, to get eternal life. He's come looking for it. From verse 22, we know that he's rich, And that's important because uh, to be rich was a sign of God's blessing. Uh, So he's good and genuine, uh, rich and religious. And you'd think that if anyone, if anyone was going to have eternal life with God, it's going to be this guy. And so the disciples are pumped. They're like, yes, this guy wants to get on board with us. It's fantastic. It's like if Tim Keller turned up to St. Matthew's and said, hey guys, I'll be your new rector. 
And we're all like, you know, someone famous, successful, uh, we'll take it. Fantastic. And it also seems so straightforward that this guy and Jesus are going to click. This is going to work. But then Jesus goes and says something outrageous that just kind of blows the whole thing apart. Verse 21, Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Five little instructions. Go, sell, give, come, follow. Five little instructions and the whole thing is blown apart. This is, this is an impressive guy. You know, if he's in, cut out for it, then who is? The disciples are shocked. They ask, verse 25, who then can be saved? If not him, then who? He's good and genuine. He's rich and religious. It seems like he's got everything. But there's one thing that he lacks. See, to be part of God's kingdom, uh, to have eternal life, you, you only need one thing. That is to follow God's king. That's why Jesus says, come, follow me. Simple, really, isn't it? That, and it kind of makes sense, it's logical, to be part of God's kingdom, you follow God's king. That makes sense. Uh, it's like becoming an Australian citizen. Uh, to be part of Australia, you have to pledge allegiance to the Queen, the head of state. That's how you become Australian. But it's, it's not quite that simple here. Here's the thing, if you want to follow uh, Jesus, God's king... You can't have any other king. If you want to follow God's King, Jesus, you can't have any other king. If you're from Australia and you want to become a citizen of another country, Australia will let you do that. You can, you can have dual citizenship. Uh, you can't run for parliament. Uh, <laughs> you can, but you're not meant to. Uh, but if you're a regular Aussie like me, then uh, you can have dual citizenship. You can have kind of two kings, so to speak. Uh, but in some countries, like India, uh, they don't let you have dual citizenship. If, you, uh, if you're born in India, you're an Indian citizen, and you want to become the citizen of another country, you have to renounce your Indian citizenship. And that's what God's kingdom is like. You can only have one king. And so when uh, Jesus says uh, to the man, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, that's what he's asking him to do. Give up your current king. Matthew describes it in terms of treasure. He wants, if you want treasure in heaven, eternal life with God, then you have to let go of your treasure on earth. You can't have both. But this man can't do it because he has too much money. He has too much treasure to lose. And so... Jesus exposes something in his heart. That is, he loves his money more than he loves God. He loves the things of earth, the, the status and the wealth, the recognition. He loves that more than he loves God. And so he goes away sad. Uh, a number of years back, uh, we had dinner with some friends and they'd been going to church on and off but hadn't been along for, for a fair while. And anyway, in the course of conversation, we got to talking about uh, church, about where they were at with God 
And they were positive, but kind of not right now. Uh, they, were, they were really busy and, and kind of too busy to think about where uh, God fit in. Uh, too busy for church at the moment, just with extra study load and starting a new job, all these kind of things. It was a really sad conversation because those priorities, those choices revealed something about their heart. Where was their treasure? Who was their king? To be part of God's kingdom, you only need to follow Jesus as your king, but you can't have any other king. Okay, that's the story. Uh, What does it mean for us? Uh, Firstly, it does mean that it's very hard to enter the kingdom of God. Have a look at verse 23. It's very hard to enter the kingdom of God. Truly, I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, It's so hard because uh, following Jesus means giving up treasure here. Whatever that treasure is, really, whether it's relationships or happiness or sport or career, academic success, whatever it is, anything that uh, takes our devotion and stops us taking hold of eternal life. But Jesus really uh, puts his finger on uh, something uh, telling here. That is, money and possessions were, uh, were a problem for people in his day. And if you think that money and possessions were uh, a problem for people in the first century, uh, imagine what a problem it is for us now. By any measure, we are living in one of the wealthiest countries, in one of the wealthiest eras of human history imaginable. Surely the danger is greater for us. Surely the danger is so much greater when having wealth to be rich makes it very hard to enter the kingdom of God. Uh, Jesus gives us a picture of how hard it is. Verse, uh, uh, Verse 25, verse 24, he says, Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for me to pick up this desk and throw it to the roof It's easier for a team of cats to learn how to drive a car. Jesus is trying to be funny. He's trying to arrest us to give us something memorable. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. That's how hard it is to be surrounded by money, to possess it, and yet to let it go and take hold of eternal life. Jesus turns everything upside down. This man, the disciples, they thought that God's kingdom would be filled with the best people, the most impressive people, but it's not. You know who it belongs to? Kids. People with no money or status, uh, anything like that. Uh, My son, Kipling, probably has a net worth of around $150. Most of that is bound up in uh, Lego assets. Um, (laughs) Cash reserves of about uh, $3.50 presently. And that's why children are a picture of who the kingdom belongs to. Because they don't have treasure stored here. They just don't. They don't have anything. They aren't famous. They're not wealthy. They're not highly respected for what they've achieved. And Jesus says it's people who follow him who put their treasure in heaven, 
they are the ones who enter the kingdom. And actually, having wealth is a huge obstacle. It's the opposite of how we think about money. Money here is a massive danger because it takes our devotion. And it's very hard, impossible even, to give that up and follow Jesus. It does mean that it's very hard to enter the kingdom of God. But it doesn't mean that it's impossible. It doesn't mean that it's impossible. Uh, Have a look at verse 26. Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. If you've been sitting here thinking, man, that is impossible. How, How would I give up everything to follow Jesus? It seems impossible, but all things are possible with God. God is able to change us from the inside out, to, uh, to work within us so that we let go of our devotion to things and money and possessions and change our hearts so that we follow Jesus as King. And that's exactly what happened to Navid. Uh, God changed him so that he was willing to follow Jesus, even though that brought the prospect of uh, being killed if he ever went back to Iran. It's an amazing thing, a miraculous thing, really. But all things are possible with God. Look at what else this story means. Uh, It does mean that it's costly to follow Jesus. It does mean that it's costly to follow Jesus. Have a look at verse 27 now. Uh, Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And verse 29, we see that people will leave homes and brothers and sisters, mothers, fathers, children, fields, all to follow Jesus. It will be immensely costly. Uh, Basically, that is a list of everything that gave someone security in the ancient world. Uh, If you didn't have a home or a field to earn money with, if you didn't have a family to depend on, you, you you had nothing. Following Jesus means... Uh, giving up everything for his sake. Money, security, relationships. You might lose all of those things to follow Jesus. When he became a Christian, uh, Navid was here in Australia, uh, but just on a, a temporary working visa, and that was running out, and the time was coming that he would have had to have gone back to Iran. So he applied for a protection visa to be able to stay here in Australia, which he got. Uh, so he didn't have to go back and uh, you know, risk losing his life in Iran. But it did mean that he could never go back there. He gave up his family. He, he gave up his home country in order to follow Jesus. It's very costly to follow Jesus. That's what this passage tells us. It it does mean that it's very costly to follow Jesus. But it doesn't mean that you'll be left alone. It doesn't mean you'll be left alone. That's the risk, right? If, if you think, well, I'll, I'll give up everything to follow Jesus, but then what, what will there be left for me? And that's what the disciples are asking. But Jesus says, verse 29, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Following Jesus means being committed to him above all else, which may mean losing everything else. But it also means joining a worldwide family of people who are devoted to Jesus. Uh, That's exactly what happened to Navid. 
he had to lose his uh, family, his home country, but uh, he joined a church. Uh, he joined an enormous family here, uh, people who he could count as brothers and sisters who would uh, love and care for him. And even though he'd lost so much, just like Jesus said, he gained a hundredfold as much uh, now and eternal life, the thing that counts for eternity. Jesus says you won't be left alone. Okay, where have we been tonight? Uh, Firstly, we saw uh, little children uh, being welcomed by Jesus. Then we saw this man going away sad because he wouldn't do the one thing necessary to take hold of eternal life. He wouldn't follow Jesus, God's King. And then we saw that uh, what this uh, story means, it, it, it does mean that it's very hard to enter God's kingdom, but it doesn't mean that it's impossible. And then we saw it does mean that entering God's kingdom is, is very costly, but it, it doesn't mean that you'll be left alone. The final thing Jesus says is a little bit cryptic. Verse 30, he says, But many who are first will be last, and the last first. But isn't that the perfect picture of what's uh, going on here? The perfect way to describe it? Everything is is flipped around. Uh, The little children are welcomed in and the most impressive person goes away sad. See, when it comes to the kingdom, it's the, the little ones, the ones who are unimpressive in the eyes of the world. People like Navid, really. People who give up everything and have nothing really to show in this age, the kingdom belongs to them. And so it's worth uh, reflecting about this uh, in our own life. I think particularly when it comes to the issue of money and possessions. That's what uh, Jesus really uh, hones in on for this man. And it's worth asking the question for us, is that something that we struggle with? Will money and possessions, will uh, great wealth be the thing that derails us, that stops us from taking hold of eternal life. I don't know about you, but I instinctively think that it would be better to have more stuff. You know, I've grown up uh, watching ads on TV, Uh, I've kind of, I've grown up in uh, a culture where growth is good, uh, where more is better, that if I had more money, I would be happier, if I had... uh, a newer car, my life would be so much better. A bigger house, uh, more money in the bank account, uh, more to spend, more concerts to go to. If I had more, that would be better. But maybe it wouldn't. Maybe it would be worse. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that having lots of things, more money, great wealth is dangerous. It could be worse for us because it's hard to let those things go. And if we're faced with that choice between uh, following Jesus or it costing us those things, then having lots of stuff is going to be terrible. It'll make it very hard to follow Jesus. And that might be the case for us. uh, That we we love the things of this world uh, so much that it's hard to, uh, to follow Jesus over uh, devoting ourselves to them. 
That might be the case for you. If it's not, uh, it's certainly the case that you will be facing choices of this kind over the uh, next few years. Choices that really shape and direct your life. Uh, Choices uh, that direct you to follow Jesus or uh, to grow great wealth. And can I tell you, uni churches, uh, start making small decisions now that follow Jesus and let go of wealth and possessions and money. Because it will set a trajectory for your lives that will go on and on. Uh, Now is the time to hold wealth loosely, to give generously, uh, not to prioritise those things over and above uh, your devotion to the Lord Jesus. Now is the time to start making those choices. Don't be like this man. Don't cling to possessions, uh, to wealth. Don't pursue those things so much that you're unable to let go and follow Jesus. That's what Navid found. He found uh, when he explored Jesus... He found that following Jesus is worth your money and it is worth your life. And as Jesus said to us earlier in Matthew, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul?